Hi, family. Today's guest is Ami Kassar. Ami Kassar is an incredible guy. You know, he um, grew up here in the States and uh, made his way through the financial world and then started his own company, which he's going to tell us about, called Multifunding. Multifunding helps companies achieve their growth goals. He's also an author, and his book, The Growth Dilemma, is presently available. He has a new one coming out that we're going to be talking about as well. I know you're going to enjoy learning from him, so settle back and get ready to learn from a genius. I'm excited about the conversation with Ami Kassar. Wow, Ami, there's so much to you, and I want to share so much, as much as possible with everybody. So let's start at where you are now and what you're doing uh, before we talk about how you got to this incredible place in your life. You know, you are literally helping so many people become literate and better served. So tell us what you're doing now and um, what else is happening that you're seeing we should be invested in. Yeah, so our whole business is about helping entrepreneurs build and grow and stay in control of their businesses. So um, we want to, them to figure out a growth lane or path that they're comfortable with, how fast they want to grow, how much risk they're comfortable taking with, and then understand the different loan, the different options and scenarios to get there. That's kind of the core of what we do. Ultimately, that's kind of what I like to do. <laughs> okay. uh, we have a team of people who um, sometimes if a loan is what makes sense to do that, we help them get a loan and we help them facilitate the best possible loan for their needs. And we work with a group of banks and lenders across the country to make that happen. So that's in a nutshell what we're all about. So as our family is listening to you and they are getting excited to lean in and learn from you, which of them would likely want to work with you? I mean, did you help with the PPP or are you completely separate and unique from that? Give them a better sense of who's a great candidate to seek work with you, to seek your services. And so most of the people we work with, um, we we. We invested a ton of energy and effort into helping people with the PPP and the EIDL. We didn't make any money from it, nor did we want to. We just wanted to educate. It's not our core business. It was a unique time in history, and we thought that was our responsibility. Um, but our core business really is predominantly existing business owners. Um, ideally, they have revenue of at least half a million dollars. So they've gotten through those horrendous first couple of years. Mm -hmm. Then we help to try to help them figure out their next steps and their path forward and what they want to do and how much risk they want to take and what investments they want to make. And then we help them create a path to do that. that that's all incredible. How did you get started? So <clears throat> it's hard to believe that it was, I think, almost 12 years ago that I lost my big fat corporate job. I was the chief innovation officer for the largest issuer of credit cards to small businesses in the United States. Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a tough story. We had a million um, customers. We had about a thousand employees and we had about a billion dollars worth of market cap. 
and we completely decimated in the Great Recession. Before it was my turn to be let go, which I knew was coming, I helped let 960 people go, which was hands down the toughest professional thing I ever did in my life. And then my turn came on a Friday. On my way home, I went to the bank and I deposited a check for my full home equity line of credit. And then went home and told my wife what I did. And I started my company multifunding on Saturday. That's wow. That's true Wow. Wow. And um, when you started this company, had you had any connection with anybody to get it started? Or was it just, um, you know how sometimes people say the idea dropped, but they had years in waiting for it to happen. It was going to happen anyway. Well, I had been, you know, it wasn't a complete shock that I got terminated by the bankruptcy trustees. Um, so I'd had some time to think about it. But one of my general lessons in life is don't try not to spend too much time crying over spilled milk. It doesn't get you very far. So I just wanted to jump myself into the fire and get going. And that's what we did. And uh, I had a partner at the time. And um, from the that day until our quote unquote doors were open was six weeks. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, you are an in-demand speaker and a very trusted advisor to growth-focused business leaders. I know that your experience has to feed into that as well as your knowledge around just the funding arena itself. But I mean, you've helped thousands of business owners achieve their growth goals by working creatively with them and personalizing funding solutions for them. How does that work? How do, you, how do you help somebody that way? So I think there's two levels. When I speak, and that's one of my favorite things to do is get out in front of a crowd of entrepreneurs. And my, my job is to just, I'd like to get people thinking and it sort of breaks some of their barriers and challenge some of their assumptions. So um, I like to say, so I mean, I'll ask you, Janice, you're a business owner, right? So let me flip the question of you. If you were given um, a gift today of half a million dollars and you had to invest it in your business, and if you didn't invest it, what would um, you, you have to give it back in 90 days? What would you do with it? You mean we'd have to pay it back in 90 days? You have to give it back. You wouldn't have the chance to invest it. So you have 90, half a million dollars to invest in the next 90 days, or you have to give it back. Can't use it to buy a boat or a yacht. You got to invest it in your business. What would you do with it? <laughs> right. And it's so interesting you're asking this question because one of the things that I've championed all of my executives to uh, who are leading uh, areas in our business, regardless of whether we consider them uh, sales generating, uh, fund generating or not, is would we buy our own business if your department were all we were buying? And so that kind of fits that agenda of where, what would I do with the money? Now, to be candid with you, I'd be giving it back because you don't allow me to donate it to those businesses that I care about. But if I can uh, deliver it outside of my own business, there are a number of women-owned and minority-owned businesses I think are really, really top-notch and could, and could grow, could really soar with that money. Absolutely. And that's a good answer. So let's take one that company. So say as an example, what I try like to do is sometimes um, 
money can be an excuse or it can be a problem, right? So people say, oh, I can't do that because I don't have the money. And they just get kind of broken up on that. And my answer question is, well, just forget about it. Just assume you had the money for a minute. What, what would you do with it? Mm-hmm. And how, how much would you need? Just try and kind of open your thinking. So sometimes what I find is that early on in a business life cycle, we sell our firstborn, we do whatever it takes, and we're willing to take an unbelievable amount of risk to get our business up and running. We almost have no choice. And then hopefully if things work out, we get through those hump years and we kind of figure out the business and we get through those awful years of missed payments and creditors calling and all that stuff you sort it out and then you breathe a sigh of relief you go ah i never want to live through that again (laughs) but actually ironically that's probably the time then you want to throw the fuel on the fire so you actually have a business model now that you probably want to scale it up and put put more money into it and that's probably the the less risky time to invest in your business versus those first few years. So building a business is a marathon. It's a journey. There's different stages along the way. There's different solutions along the way. And people have to get comfortable in their own skin about what they're going to do next and how much time they're going to take and then just go for it and do it. Well, you know, when I was first growing up in my business, I remember being told by several people who at that time I really respected that banks like to lend money to people who don't need it. It's a, it, they've already valued that you can grow, that you can expand with it. Is that kind of the truth? 100%. Banks don't, when you don't need the money, the banks, I mean, I joke about it, about that home equity line of credit when I got to start. I got in that checkbook and caught in that home equity line seven years before I started my company. And it was just sitting in the drawer. And the reason I went to the bank and deposited the full amount was I was I didn't have a job anymore. And I was worried they're gonna take it away from me. And that's the money I used to fund my first few years. And if I hadn't had the foresight to get that line of credit when I did. I wouldn't have been able to get one that day because suddenly I didn't have a job. And so you always, when you think about your financing strategy for your business, you have to think offensively and you have to think defensively. You have to think about how to prepare yourself and protect yourself for the unexpected. And you also want to be able to take advantage of opportunities. And it's a balancing act of both. So like I always ask businesses, do you have a line of credit? And if not, why? I don't want you to use that line of credit to go buy a boat in Hawaii or something, but I do want you to have a line of credit just in case. Um, for the Just in case is a big statement these days. I know you've seen a lot of just in cases stepping up uh, over this uh, pandemic season, but I want to talk about something that's even uh, beyond pandemic. You know, many of our, uh, many of the people listening to you right now are students who have entrepreneurial aspirations or tinkerers who, you know, 
are, are, are ready to make that decision. A lot of these students, and this comes up on the boards that I serve on at universities too, I mean, a lot of these students get offered lines of credit. I know the federal government has stepped in to address that a little bit, but if they're smart about it, it's not the worst thing. How do they make smart decisions for those who are listening and they are new to thinking around finance? Yeah, so. Because a lot of companies are starting up in dorm rooms and that's the gist of where I'm coming from. Got it. So my challenge to you, if you're starting up a business in a dorm room or just getting going, whatever it is, is keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to do is don't get all hyped up about trying to raise a whole bunch of money or this or that, or, you know, I don't know why people celebrate funding rate rounds as a success or investors as a success. Think about what you want to prove. And then think about a simple way to prove it or the most inexpensive way to prove it and to see if you have a concept or not. So, as an example, I spent some time uh, mentoring underserved communities. And um, I was on the Zoom a couple months ago with a church entrepreneurship group. And I think the woman who had invited me on was trying to make money from those people, um, with those entrepreneurs, by getting them to invest in business plans with her. And most of them didn't need a business plan or they certainly didn't need to raise money. They, they just needed to go out and do something. So as, as an example, there was a woman who wanted to start a business uh, making desserts for um, restaurants that didn't serve desserts. And she thought in her head, she had to raise some money to open up her own kitchen so she could go and start making those desserts. And my answer was, what's wrong with the kitchen in your apartment? Or why can't you see if one of the restaurants that you're going to sell to will let you use their, use their kitchen for an hour or two a day? You absolutely don't need to go and invest in building a kitchen right now. Prove your concept. And so my advice to any entrepreneur anywhere when you're starting out is keep it really, really simple. We started multi-funding, I think, uh, with uh, $7,500. Wow. Wow. So um, don't, now we are fortunate because we had some savings to live and this and that and the other, but don't just, don't make it more complicated than it has to be. And that's part of the myth. People think they've got to go raise around and get investors Remember when you get investors, you just got married or got married again, at least for the life of that business. And that could be a great thing. It could be an awful thing. So just try to keep it simple. Oh, my goodness. I just want to pull that and take what you just shared to so many campuses and to all of the schools that I'm working with, the business schools and how the students listen to it. But you know, there are a few organizations I belong to where we've got fully grown businesses who can stand to listen to what you're saying as well. Um, cause, cause you touched a people, lot there. Why do people celebrate a funding round? Why, why do they celebrate that? What are they celebrating? 
Talk a little bit more about that, Ami. I mean, you you launched us into it just now. Talk a little bit more about it. What's exciting about getting investors and raising $1 million, $5 million, $20 million, $100 million? What's exciting about that? What does, does that mean you're going to be successful? Sometimes having less and grinding it out is more likely to make you successful in the long run than in the short run. Well, I know a lot of the ladies who own businesses who I know happen to be listening in and have waited for this conversation with you are really listening carefully to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, Just um, break, break, break it down. I remember when I did my first startup and um, I had my opportunity to meet with my first investors and we had breakfast at a coffee shop in LA and they had asked me, I, I think I didn't sleep for three nights preparing my business plan. <laughs> and I cocky eyed and bold eyed came in to ask for $2 million. And one of my, the guys has now become one of my biggest mentors and friends. He kind of, he flipped it across the table. He flipped it down. He said, no one's giving you $2 million. Tell me what you can do for 200000 And I looked like at him like he was crazy, but he was right. Mm, is that how he became your friend? or? Well, he also actually became an investor in a small round, and then he put in some more money later. And unfortunately, that company never went anywhere. But... He's continued to be a friend and mentor of mine for a long time. And I learned a fortune from him. Well, you know, you're also a real uh, case study. You're a case study in so many ways for schools and, and for those of us who are already out here, as you put it, grinding. Um, but, you know, you're doing more than that. Your work has helped create tens of thousands of jobs. And, you know, this is close to my heart. Would you talk a little bit? about how you've done this, but more importantly to me, why you've done this. So I think we all have our passion. Mm -hmm. And for me, my passion is helping entrepreneurs. And straight talk, no BS. I think I have a knack of trying to explain complicated concepts simply and trying to talk real talk. And I like that. Yes, we have a company that helps businesses get loans and that's how we survive and pay our mortgages and eat and all that stuff. But personally, I don't really care about getting people loans anymore. I mean, we have te teams of people who do that and it's mm -hmm. important and it's helpful. But for me, it's um, it just helping a business owner and an entrepreneur. You want to know my favorite client ever? I really do. You know I do. He owns a trucking company with about 100 employees and Stockton, California. It's probably 200 now. Um, do you know his education level? What is it? What is it on me? High school dropout. Do you know what his dog's name is? What's his dog's name? You know I'm falling for this. Dog. Dog. <laughs> okay, so this high school dropout with the trucking company and a dog named Dog. 
what's in there that makes this your favorite client endeavor beyond the fact that you get to laugh at the irony of it all? Well, I don't agree with any of his politics, but passion for entrepreneurship is nothing about politics. What I like is his values and how he takes care of his people and how at some point he told private. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Whew, what? Mm, okay, look, no way you're pulling out those glasses we talked about earlier. I mean, you just hit me. I don't care about his politics. I don't align with him politically. What I care about are his values. Oh my goodness. Hashtag. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. That just hit me like this, especially in this season we're all in with so much uncertainty around us in a multiple pandemic environment. And you're dropping gems like that. I mean, that's huge. And you're the money guy. Money guys don't talk like you. Um, the I like the fact that he... A couple of years before he met me, he told private equity to stick it where the sun didn't shine because he didn't think they were going to take care of his people, that it helped him build the company. And I um, I liked him. Now, it turns out that we managed to restructure. He was about to get a big job, and we managed to restructure his debt and improve his cash flow by a million dollars a year, which was enormously important to him during that time. And we become friends, but um, it's people like that that who are willing to stick their neck on the line and make things happen that I want to help. Yeah, but you, you know, I would say not but and for some time now on I me, mean, you've challenged executives to think differently about how to capitalize growth. And I mean, you're regularly featured on media like, yeah, I'm gonna call them out, the New York Times, Huffington Post. Wall Street Journal, Entrepreneur, Forbes, Fox Business News, the list just goes on and on. What's personal about this to you that you're continuously sharing your knowledge? I'm grateful to be a recipient of it today. What, what, what's the personal thing in this? Yeah, there's a lot of people who say they're advocates of small businesses because it's convenient, but they might as well be built, they're in the business of supporting small business. So they say they're small business, but they might, they could be running a factory building widgets in Guatemala or something. Um, small business and treating people how I would want to be treated um, is what we're all about. And we, I've seen I struggled like hell when I built my company. Okay. And I know what bad decisions can do to people mm -hmm. and what bad loans can do to people. And I know what I know too well about the schemes that are out there. And I know too well about some of the characters that are behind them and they make me mad. So um, small businesses are the backbone of our economy and our country. Uh, guys like my friend in Stockton, California, from a high school dropout on one truck, he's feeding a couple hundred families, and they deserve support and structure and people to do right by them. And I, it's just how I believe. Don't don't make me cry in here. Don't don't do that to me. Look, let's let's switch it up. Talk about how you grew up while I before I tear up. <laughs> 
Ah, oh, uh, don't cheer up. Come on. Uh, no, you're, 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 but I mean, you're hitting some stuff that I care a, a lot about. There's so many um, businesses I work with through the organizations that I belong to. And these are incredible, incredible people. And PPP aside, these people have had a really, oh, why'd you do that to me? These uh, people have had a really tough time and they've had some really good businesses. Thankfully, the majority of them are tough business people. They made smart decisions before the pandemic that assisted them to go through the pandemic in my own company. I told our employees, we're not going to just go through this. We're going to grow through it. That was a lofty thing I was able to say after being a very established business, knowing my clients and all the myriad of other things that helped us to uh, not just survive, but thrive through this. But there are some businesses that really had different aspects and they were good people. They're like that guy you're talking about you know, with the dog named dog. Um, That's what makes me mad, like right now, what the government's doing about the EIDL program as an example. Mm -hmm. So there's like 200 and something billion dollars left in this program and it has to be used by December 31st. Truth of the matter is that a lot of businesses have now recovered from the pandemic, not all, but a lot. And there are still a fraction of businesses that got hit really hard by being in a specific industry or type of industry or thing like that. And they need help and they deserve help. The government's sort of opened up this program now to everybody and their mothers so that they can look like they got all the money used up by December 31st and look like the good guys and they will, but a lot of businesses are getting funding that in my mind is unnecessary. This is no longer, the pandemic is still hurting some business, but it's not the economic crisis that it was 16, 18 months ago. And you get to see that by how your organization works every day. Sure. So when I speak now and I get up and now, again, different groups have different attributes and, and all that. But in the different groups I speak to now, I often ask them, how many of you have more cash on your balance sheet today than you did at the beginning of the pandemic? And about 98% of them say, yes, they do. And so... The other 2%, well, maybe the people that really need to be hearing the stuff aren't in the room, but that, that's who we need to be worrying about, not the 98% of people that um, have more cash today than they did at the beginning. It's not right. Well, what do you do when you're not thinking numbers? I'm not always, <laughs> I'm not always thinking numbers. I like to. I travel a lot. I like to hang out with my wife and my kids when they want to put up with me. Um, I like to, um, you know, have fun with my team. I like to write. I write a morning blog called Omnisites that if people are interested, they can go to omnisites.com and subscribe to it. Because you hosted blog live events. Tell us that about- a, That was a long time ago. Yeah, 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 you did that, yeah. Well, a lot of live events where this idea, I mean, it was 
oh God, that feels like five centuries ago, um, <laughs> that we would, um, in a community, folks would get together and just share ideas and get feedback to ideas and stuff like that. And, and it was fun. And we had a website called Idea Blog that was like an idea-centric competition site. But that was pre-my multi-funding days. That was when I was uh, a part of that credit card company. But that was a long, long time ago. It was a long, long time ago, but I think it helped to get us to here. Tell us about your book, The Growth Dilemma. Sure. So I have a book called Growth Dilemma, and my next book, Ami Sites, will be coming out in October. Um, Repeat the name again, and we'll share it with everyone, too. Ami Sites. How to keep your entrepreneurial flame lit. Okay. So the, the raw idea behind, and I, I can ask you this question, Janet, Janice, if you like, but if you were given the gift of a million dollars today and you could split it up, but you either had to invest it in your business or a mutual fund of your choice, what would you do with the money? Um, you know, even though I'm not looking for funding for my business, I have such a good process right now that my business would yield stronger in my business. Uh, but when you say mutual funds, I'd really run to my son and ask him about that. Okay, but you'd have to decide how much of it to invest in your business or invest somewhere else. It doesn't matter where, but somewhere and else. And I do hear, I do hear you, and the and I love the idea of diversification. Uh, but for me right now, where I am, a million isn't that big number, and so you know, I'm either going to lay it hard or give it back. That's what the book's about what you know what it's the, the core idea of so trying to help entrepreneurs think about that what they would do with the money and then the money that they would use to invest in pieces of their business next question is well why aren't you doing that mm -hmm. and, and so it's we tell i think 12 stories about how different entrepreneurs answer that question and try to give people some framework to think about it Really, it's down to the core of how much risk you want to take to get your business to the next level, and are you comfortable taking it? Mm -hmm. Omni Sites is a slightly different book. It's a very different book. It's um, when the pandemic started, uh, we were getting like, I don't know, 20 calls or texts a minute, people asking for our help, and we just weren't set up to do it at all. I mean, it's just not a shop designed for that kind of volume. And so what we did is we created a um, community site where we would post regular updates about the PPP, the EIDL, the Main Street Lending Program, and all these different things. And that became a morning blog post, which is called an AMI site. And, and we started um, putting in there because it wasn't something to talk about every day about the PPP or the EIDL, just some little tips or tools or motivational things to help people going or how to think their way through a crisis or a pivot or this and that. And so I decided to put like a little book together of, I think it's 50 or 60 of my favorite AMI sites because COVID won't be the last crisis that people work through or live through. And I just wanted them to have some of that and kind of, sit in the coffee table. It's not a long read, but hopefully it'll give people some nuggets and some ideas about you know, what, what to do next. 
Well, I'm sure buying mine and I want it signed, okay? <laughs> Where are you in located? Or, in or out of COVID. <laughs> Where are you located, Jess? <laughs> well, I'm located in uh, Nevada, but right now I'm sitting in California, Southern California. Well, shoot, I should have known. Last week I was in Southern California and Nevada. So. Ah, uh, that's okay. That's this. You said this isn't the last pandemic we'll deal with. It's not last time you're going to be here either. Well, but look, you, I mean, have you ever wanted to do anything different? I mean, you appear to be very happy in a happy spot with your career. I'm not suggesting any of us are happy with, you know, all the things that are going on. But um, have you ever wanted to do anything different? Yeah. One day I'll just give it all up and be a professor. <laughs> my sister, yet. my sister for years, I mean, my sister said uh, she wanted to be a professor, but she couldn't afford to be one. So she had to default to her engineering degree. And that says a lot that there's a lot in there, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting to hear you, you say that. So we'll, we'll see. But um, I, I feel very blessed to love what I do and to enjoy getting up in the morning and going to work or getting on an airplane or whatever I'm going to do. And it's another piece of advice I give entrepreneurs. If you don't love what you're going to do, if you don't feel completely passionate about it, don't do it because it's going to be a lot tougher and more miserable than you think it is. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're stepping right into my head uh, now, Professor Kassar. I mean, You've advised the White House, the Federal Reserve Bank, the Treasury Department, all on credit markets. Now, giving your advice is at an expert level. What advice, Professor, will you give? What professor will you give to us, financially speaking, uh, that can help those of us who, you know, we don't have the advantage of your expertise? Often. Let me give you two tips, just okay. two, general, two general tips. If you're going to take a loan and you had one option to get a loan at four and a half percent that you had to pay off over five years, or another loan that was you had 10 years to pay it off, but the interest rate was six percent, which would you take? And then how do you advise them? I'm asking, which would you take? I, I, I don't borrow like that, but how would okay. you advise? <laughs> I always advise people to concentrate on cash flow. Mm -hmm. Save your cash and plan for the unexpected because mm -hmm. you, you, you don't know what's coming down the pipe, especially if you can prepay a loan. Also, think about when you're making a decision, what's the worst case that could happen and is it worth the risk? Uh -huh. That's another thing that I consider to be very important. And, and, and that's a big thing because, you know, that lends itself to your knowledge or if you've been around a bit and married that knowledge to experience your wisdom. Uh, but it also requires some imagination too, doesn't it? Of course. And think out of the box and also encourage people to be a part of a peer group or somewhere where you can get inspiration from other entrepreneurs and get feedback and and bounce ideas off. Don't try to do this alone. It's too hard. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, do you think now is a good time for entrepreneurs to jump into their business, those aspiring entrepreneurs? Or any special industries that look more appealing for, you know, if they're in this industry, yeah, if they're in this industry now? 
I don't particularly think about one industry better or differently than the other, but I do mm -hmm. think about all the change in the world and that change creating opportunity for people and new businesses to emerge. Mm -hmm. And you sounded celebrate, uh, celebrating of those small and mid-sized companies earlier in our conversation. Absolutely. That's where innovation happens and good things happen. and We need more of them, not less. I, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, we're going to do a game. It's called Four for Four. I'm going to oh. ask you four, but oh, look, you ready? You got, come on, you got some gaming in you. Do you go to Vegas? Not often. I was in Ve I spoke in Vegas on uh, Tuesday night, I think. So, uh, look, before we before we play the game, where, where did you grow up? Tell us about how you grew up. I want to know who the little boy was before he became Professor. Ah, uh, stop it. Um, I was born in South Africa uh -huh. and moved to the States when I was eight years old with my family. Uh -huh. And uh, we popped around a couple of years uh, and then we moved to a few different cities. And when I was 12, we moved to San Diego, which is where my, my parents settled down. And so you went to school most of the time in San Diego and then you went to university. What, what happened then? I went to Brandeis for my undergraduate degree. Oh, I've heard of that little school. And then I came back and I worked in San Diego. And then I went to USC for my MBA. Right on! My kids right on. at USC. I serve you, on a board over there at the college. You go. And then um, I went to work and I met my wife. I got married. I started my first company. It blew up. And then I moved to Philadelphia. Wait a minute. <laughs> and then I moved to Philadelphia. Why Philadelphia? I mean, you wanted to I got see the Liberty it. Well, Bell again? after when my first company, which was in the, where well, I told you that story about the investor and the two uh -huh. million versus the $200,000, when that blew uh -huh. up, I, um, I was pretty much broke. And I sent out an email to a bunch of my friends and folks that I knew saying I was looking for my next gig. And then a uh, someone I knew at the time said, why don't you come to Philadelphia and help us run our internet department at our small business credit card company? And I said, hey, that doesn't sound like such a bad idea. And we moved to Philadelphia and that's where our journey in Philadelphia started uh, just over 20 years ago, I think. You know what? I'm a fan. Um, I'm not a softie but I kind of think you might be inspiring and saving dreams for people in your work. It's a money, it's a money game. Look, we all understand that. I'm a capitalist. I believe in it. Um, I love some, helping. Some I dreams love helping. are getting saved. Some dreams love, are getting saved. I, 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 I love doing that. That's really what I love to do. Yeah, you are. You are really saving dreams for people. Thank you for that. Listen, oh. four for four. Okay. Let's go. I, before I get teary again. Um, so I'm gonna ask you four questions. You're gonna give me four answers, okay? And the first question is, I mean, you get to host a dinner and you can invite four guests from any time in history, present to past. They can be alive or have transitioned. Nobody from the future, but present or past. Who are the four people at dinner and why? Oh, man. It's not a fair question. Oh, it's a good question. Is I I really want to hear your answer. 
I think I would love to, and it's not in any particular order. I think I'd be fascinated to meet Barack Obama. Uh huh. Um, I just think uh, his role in history is f fascinating to to me. Um, How I so? Think I, I just think that at a very young age he became president, and he did it for eight years, and and he he held a steady hand through those eight years and oh I, yeah we got to remember where we were when he went into office huh you would remember that painfully yeah okay so uh, i think um that would certainly be a uh, very interesting person there's certain people in business i'd love to learn from it's richard branson or jeff bezos i mean those would be people that would be interesting are they two of your choices or one of them coming to death? Probably two. Four. Probably two. And then uh, I'd love to, even though I'm Jewish, I'd love to meet the Pope. I think he's a completely fascinating man. And I love his leadership. And he'd be somebody I'd be interested in meeting as well. This is a very different Pope, yeah? Yeah, he is. He's out there a little bit. I like it. <laughs> I had somebody else who I was talking with earlier this week, and uh, they're Jewish as well, and they said they wanted to meet Jesus. And then they went on to explain, you know, hey, look, I'm, I'm probably meeting a cousin. He just went the other way. You know? oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, so let's go two for four. Um, what are the four things that you're listening, four different things that you're listening to now and why? In terms of what music or or what music you know what i i'm not going to answer that question because i have a weakness i don't listen to much stuff you don't listen to much stuff no i read a lot and i read a lot of articles are you listening to are you, okay i got you yeah but okay. I, I don't i just i mean did you know the last time you listened to anything in the music, you know, the last time you did it. So that's real for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's just not how my brain works. Ah, I, I, I but look, I'm enjoying your brain. Well, that's not entirely true. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I, sometimes my dad passed around uh, two and a half years ago, and um, he was a big fan of um, Jewish cantorial music. Uh-huh. And sometimes I love to listen to that stuff just because it, it brings me happy and peaceful memories of him. And I knew he'd be happy that I was listening to it. So that's something I like to listen to. Wow. Did you ever listen to Neil Diamond in, uh, in when he did that movie, The Jazz Singer? Yeah, I used to listen to that. I used to think when I was in high school, I looked like Elvis Costello. I used to listen to a lot of Elvis Costello, but I haven't done that for a long time. Ah, uh, uh, okay. That movie, by the way, that uh, he did, he they filmed it at uh, at a house I know on on Venice Beach, um, and it was just incredible to hear him. Um, so you said you 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 have your head in the books. What four books would you advise for our folks listening right now, and why? This is three for four, by the way. Yeah, one of my favorite books ever is, I don't know if you've ever read anything by Adam Grant. Mm -hmm. um, he's a professor at a Wharton, and I forget the exact title because I have bad memory for stuff like that, but, um, uh, oh God, what is it? 
it, 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 I think it's called givers or takers. And it basically says that people are either givers or takers. And it's a very simple way to think about somebody if you figure out if they're motivated by giving or taking. Mm -hmm. and, then if they, and that's a real simple, uh, easy way to... Um, I think I, I, I Googled and it looks like it's called Give and Take. Yeah, that's right. Uh -huh. There's another book I, I, I love about by Itzhak Adizas about corporate life cycles. And it just very interesting way to think about innovation and how that evolves through companies and how to build teams and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I love Vern Harnish's book called Scaling Up. Um, it gives you a framework to think about how to uh, scale up a company. And I think that's a really great, great, great book. And come back, give me the fourth question, and then I'll come back and give you the fourth book because I got to think about it. Okay, cool. That's fair. What four pieces of advice have you been given that you want to share forward um, and why? Life advice. Don't cry over spilled milk. Mm -hmm. Shit happens in life. Pardon, am I allowed to say that? Mm -hmm. You're and, allowed to say whatever you want. And when that happens, just move on. Mm -hmm. um, we have a fundamental rule in our company called the no asshole rule. How does you know, that work? It's pretty simple. You act like an asshole, we're not going to help you. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're You stay pretty firm to that? 100%. It's the best thing we ever do. And is that one of those things where you know it when you see it? You don't have a definition of, okay, you just know this it. is. You just know it when you see it. <laughs> Another rule is a happy wife is a happy life. <laughs> And keep it simple. She taught stupid. you well. She taught you well. <laughs> keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people make things more complicated than they have to be. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that, but you still owe me that fourth book. Oh, my goodness gracious me. I'm out of your hair. Once you give me that, I'm going to say thank you and keep it simple and stupid and, 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 and see you next time. You know what? Some people's memories work different ways. Like, I could go to a movie, enjoy it. And if you ask me two hours later what it was called <laughs> or what it was about, I, I forget it. Well, I got a recommendation you might put on that list. Sure. It could either be the growth dilemma uh, or Ami sites, but I'm not going to say that my book's a favorite. I'm not, not going to do that. <laughs> well, family, he's not saying it, but I'm saying it. Okay. And we're going to be looking for it and we're going to be sharing it with you as soon as it's out. In the meantime, you can go get growth dilemma by Ami Kassar from Amazon. If you got a bookstore that's open, you can get it. If you if it, they don't have it, make them get it, tell them about it. But regardless, nothing's better than having you present here today. Ami Kassar, thank you. From my heart to your home, I just thank you so much. To your daughter's room, I thank you so much.
Thank you very, very much. I appreciate that. So it's it's been fun. And you didn't pull your glasses out. Shit, I forgot about that. Go on, There's... give them to us before we say bye-bye. I got better ones than the glasses if it's okay. Be... Give us the glasses. Give us the glasses before we say bye. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I love it. Love it. Love it. Oh, Professor Chef. I love it. You know what? It's, oh, it's been a blast. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. I've had a good time. Thank you very much. Stay well. Okay. Thanks.